And welcome back, listeners, to our 97th straight day of quarantine. I'm station manager Mitch Pong, and as usual, I'm the only one here because the rest of my staff here at RMUK are a bunch of pussies. Somebody's got to do it, and it's got to be me. And let me tell you, I'm damn sick and tired of it. It's not easy to run a radio station all by yourself. Okay, what was I going to do next? Oh, yeah, I got another cassette tape to play for you here from Virgil Schlatter and Harmon Truesdale over at the Mucky Landing Market Diner and Hardware Emporium. I have no idea what's on it or whether anybody even wants to hear it, but I'm going to put this on anyway and you be the judge. I mean, why should I even care, really? Nobody's listening to me. You're all sitting at home all snug and cozy, watching TV and shit, because the world's going to hell in a handbasket, am I right? At any rate, listen to whatever is on this thing while I take a break, because right now, I'm at a bourbon and I need a refill. Enjoy. Oh, for crying out loud, Harmon, what the hell did you do to the cassette recorder? I fixed it. It shouldn't have needed fixing. Last time we used it, it was working fine. I know, but I was frying up some bologna nuggets last week for a takeout order and testing out some ideas for today's recordings while I worked, but... Then I needed a place to put the frying pan when it caught fire, and I forgot the recorder was there on the counter until I heard it hit the floor. Of course. How could I not have seen that one coming? You know, I had a gut feeling I shouldn't let you take that thing back into the kitchen with you. But, you know, for some stupid reason, I got lulled into thinking you could cook in the vicinity of small home appliances without it turning into a disaster. So, is this thing even going to work now? Oh, it's not bad at all. The little door that you slide the cassette into came off. Oh, well, that's not too bad. Oh, and broke into a few pieces. Nothing a little duct tape couldn't fix. This isn't a little duct tape, Harmon. Looks like you used a whole roll here. Well, first I had to tape the door pieces back together. But after I did, they were still kind of floppy and the door didn't sit right when I put it back in. So I stuck the cassette tape back into the busted tape recorder door and taped the door and the cassette tape together by wrapping duct tape around them. Problem solved. Oh, but then when I tried to put the door back on the tape recorder and close it up, I noticed the little hinges were busted off, and with all the tape around the door and the cassette tape, it wouldn't stay closed. So I solved that problem. With still more duct tape. Did you embalm the poor thing before you wrapped it up for posterity? What? Never mind. So, you've taped the cassette to the cassette door, and you've taped the door to the cassette player. And then you used half a mile of duct tape to keep all the pieces in place? Right. You know, there's no way to get the cassette out of the recorder now without using scissors and a blowtorch. A blowtorch? Ooh, that sounds fun. I can't trust you with duct tape. You think I'm going to let you anywhere near a blowtorch? So, does it even work now? Oh, yeah, it works fine. I tested it. You tested it. Did you do that before or after you transformed it into Lon Chaney's boombox? The Verge. After. Here, I think this bump right here is the play button. I'll hit that and you'll see. See? Works good as new. The hell did I just hear? Oh, that was one of my celebrity impressions. I thought maybe I could do a few of those to kind of liven up things when we recorded. And just who were you attempting to impressionate there? Frank Sinatra. Never would have guessed. Yeah, I need to work on that one a little bit more. So, okay, the recorder can play. 
But does it still record? Oh, yeah. I tested it. Oh, that's good. You know, you got the little red recording light all covered up with duct tape. Uh, yeah. And you taped over the window that lets you see the tape turning. Oh, I had to do that to keep the door closed. And there's tape covering up the buttons. Going to be kind of hard to tell whether it's recording or not when we record our broadcast for the radio. No, it's not. This bump is the record button right here. After you hit the record button, you can check it by holding it up to your ear like this. We're going to need to hire Helen Keller to operate this thing. It's working right now, actually. I can hear it humming a little and the wheels turning. But you didn't touch the record button. Why is it recording? I don't know. Maybe I hit the wrong one after I hit play. I'll turn it off. Is it off now? Yeah. Okay. Now, getting back to our radio broadcast. A few weeks back, I told Fudgel Prickett over to the Mucky Land and Hysterical Society that we wanted to do an educational radio broadcast about the history of Mucky Landon, and I asked him if he had anything in their library that he could lend us. How long did you get stuck talking with Fudge the Pudge? That guy is windier than a sack full of farts. Yeah, usually old Fudge can blabber on for hours, but he said that his new face mask bothers him when he talks, so he cut it short. He should do the whole town a favor and get it permanently attached. At any rate, when I came in to work here at the store a few days ago, I found this little book here all on the floor under the mail slot along with a note from Fudge saying it was the property of the society and to return it in the same condition it was in before it got shoved through the door. It also said it had been properly fumigated, so it was okay to touch it, and also not to let Harmon put his grubby paws on it, because you never know where they've been. Seriously? Nah, I made that last part up. Book's pretty old, written in 1922, but I guess history doesn't change much, does it? <laughs> not around here. Here, look. Blame the Swedes, A Likely History of Mucky Land in Delaware by Franklin Elsinore Swagler. I don't know, Verge. This doesn't look real interesting. There's not even any pictures or anything. Well, I knew you'd never read it, so I went ahead and read it for both of us. Well, it was more like I skimmed it. Parts of it, anyway. It was kind of hard to follow. I'd read a little bit, and next thing I knew, I was waking up from a nap. Now, see, Verge, I told you this idea talking on the radio about the history of Mucky Landon was a stone-cold loser. You couldn't even stay awake long enough to read about it in this skinny little book. I got enough out of it to make an interesting recording, I think. I made some notes. Here. I'll give you the rundown now so you can maybe say something that makes sense while we're recording. Says here it all started when some Dutch guy from Sweden named Peter Minute sailed up the Delaware River. Peter Minute, huh? Must have been a little guy. That's Minuet, not Minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Peter Minuet. Hey, I think Elton John wrote a song about him, didn't he? I have no doubt that the correct answer to that is no shit for brains. Elton John absolutely did not write a song about Peter Minuet. But, you know, I kind of want to see where you're going with this. What song would that be, Harmon? Well, first, you got to put a quarter in the Federal Cussing Commission swear jar for that shit for brains. No, I don't. Why not? Because we're not recording right now. What's the song? Oh, right. Oh, wait. I forgot the title. Oh, wait. It just came back. That song about the uh, itty-bitty dancer. Harmon, I'm pretty sure when Elton John wrote Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer, he wasn't thinking of Peter Minuet. 
Now, if you'd actually gotten past the first seven words on that paper I just gave you, you'd know that Peter Minuet sailed up the Delaware River, and when he landed, he claimed the whole west side for Sweden. Whole west side of what? Don't know. Doesn't say here. I might have slipped off for a nap at that point in the story. But then Pete Stuyvesant and his gang of Dutchmen, who were really from Dutchland, not Sweden, like those fake Dutch guys with Peter Minuet, came along and they kicked the Swedish gang's ass. Wait, wait, I know this story. I saw a movie about it once. Uh, The Swedish gang and the Dutch gang both wanted to take over the West Side. But then one of the Swedish guys uh, fell in love with Natalie Wood who was wearing a lot of dark makeup to make her look Dutch, which I always thought Dutch people all had blonde hair. But uh, like with that kid with the wooden shoes who stuck his finger in the dike, which I didn't really understand until I got older and learned about lesbians and went, oh, but they weren't blonde in the movie. Harmon. But then instead of fighting about it, they just danced and sang at each other all the time until finally there was a big dance off. And one of the Dutch guys danced a knife into Natalie Wood's boyfriend because she was dating his sister. It was kind of lame and confusing. Harmon. You go through life confused. And West Side's story wasn't about the Swedes fighting the Dutch. It was about William Shakespeare. Didn't you learn anything in Miss Hackney's ninth grade English class? Learn how to sleep with my eyes open. I'm not surprised. So the Swedes settled down and built a castle or something before they got their asses handed to them by the Dutch. And after a while, it became Big Head City. That's a long way from here. What's it got to do with Mucky Landon? Just hold your water. I'm getting to it. So there was this little bunch of Swedes in Peter Minuet's group that was getting bored with cutting down trees and learning to plant corn and getting their asses kicked by the Dutch. So they hijacked this pirate ship called the Kalmar Nickel that belonged to Pete Stuyvesant and sailed it across the river to New Jersey to get into the casino business. They had casinos back then? Oh, sure. I bet you didn't know the word casino was named after a Native American tribe. The Gazanostro tribe controlled North Jersey, Staten Island, and Queens. And they ran a bunch of historic old casinos that aren't around anymore, like the Atlantis and the Sands and Trump Plaza. Eventually, they sold out to the Italians and moved west. And wherever they settled down, they started up a casino. That's why there are so many casinos on Indian reservations. It's it's kind of a traditional family business. Huh. I did not know that. So, the chief of the Casanostros wasn't interested in hiring a bunch of thieving Swedes who knew nothing about the gambling business, so he kept their boat and sent them packing back to Delaware on a raft. And he told them to tell everybody in Delaware to stay on their own side of the river. Or he'd put on his war paint and open a big old can of whoop-ass on everybody over there. Oh, real tough guy, huh? Apparently. But that really pissed off old Pete Stuyvesant, because everybody knew that William Penn and the English, who always have to get up in the middle of everything, had hired Mason Dixon to paint a 12-mile circle that said the whole river belonged to Delaware. But the Casanostros didn't give a shit about British law, so Delaware and New Jersey fought about that damn river boundary for about 300 years. Finally, the Supreme Court made New Jersey give both the Delaware River and the Kalmar Nickel pirate ship back to Delaware and told both states to just knock it the hell off. That only happened about 20 years ago. Took that long for the lawsuit to make it through the court system. Was all that in that little book Fudge gave you? Well, the stuff about Pete Stuyvesant and Peter Minuet was. I remember the rest from eighth grade history class at Valerie Bertinelli Middle School. Wow, you paid a lot more attention than I did. I don't remember any of that stuff. 
So what happened to the thieving Swedes? Oh, right. So, since they had now pissed off pretty much everybody in the New World, the three of them decided that maybe it would be a good idea to lay low for a few days and then hightail it out of town and start their own colony someplace warmer with fewer mosquitoes, like maybe Miami or Fort Lauderdale. They stole a cargo barge and pulled their way down the river toward the ocean. But after paddling a couple of days, they figured they must have passed Florida already and pulled into a shallow area of marsh along the Delaware shoreline to take stock of the situation. While they were arguing about where they'd taken a wrong turn and whose fault it was, a storm blew up, and the wind and the waves drove the barge up onto the marsh. And they were stuck but good. So they decided that right where they were was a good enough place to stop. There was a cart on the barge, so they loaded it with supplies, and they managed to shove it off the boat and out into the marsh, where it sank. They set off with whatever they could carry to find some women and start a colony, and were never heard from again. Wait, I thought you were going to tell me they found in Mucky Landing, not that they just wandered off into the marsh and died. Well, we don't rightly know what happened to them. But sometime after that, my great-great-great-great-well, I don't know how many greats he was, but one of my ancestors, named John Huskow Slatter, laid claim to some land around here. And one day, when he was out hunting muskrat, he found the remains of that barge. Some writing had been carved onto one of the planks. He couldn't read it, but he saved the plank, and he used the rest of the wood to build himself a shack. Wow, so the Slatter family has been here way back to colonial times. Sure have. Did anybody ever find out what the writing on the plank said? Yep. Many years later, some traveling scholar heard about it, and he came to town and translated it. Turns out nobody could read it because it was all in Old Swedish. Well, so what did it say? Stuck in the muck, went to look for a toe. BRB. Wow. That's a real historical artifact right there, Verge. Bet that plank is worth something today. Do you still have it, or did your family donate it to a museum or something? Oh, I wish. Apparently, they hung it on the wall for several generations as a conversation piece. And before that scholar feller come along, for entertainment, they'd take turns after dinner making up funny stories about what they thought it said. I guess there was even less to do in Mucky Landing way back then than there is now. But at some point, somebody started using it to fillet fish on. Rumor has it it ended up as a fire starter at a 4th of July picnic because it smelled too bad to keep in the house. Oh, too bad. Well, that was more interesting than I thought it was going to be, what with the pirate ships and Swedes and casinos and whatnot. Yeah, I told you it was a good subject. So, let's get with it and record this thing for Mitch. You got your notes there, right? Right here. Okay, I'll do most of the talking, but you use the notes to follow along and kind of make comments every now and then, so it sounds like you know something. You got it. Uh, ready? Yep. Go ahead and hit the record button. And we're done. I got my pocket knife right here, so let me cut the cassette out of the recorder. Well, aren't you going to listen to it first? Nah, I think we did pretty good, don't you? And Mitch is waiting for us to drop it off. He's doing most of the work over to the radio station by himself these days because of the quarantine. And pre-recorded stuff gives him a break so he can go get a drink or two. Or three. Here, let me do my next impression. Frank Sinatra. Fly me to your room, cause I just met you in a bar. Let me show you what I got alone in your boudoir. Hey, anybody from Cleveland? Thank you. I'll be here all week. 
and now Jimmy Stewart. Hi, this is Jimmy Stewart in Mucky Landing, and uh, we're gonna go find Mr. Potter and kick his ass in that. Oh, shit! Thank you for listening to Mucky Landon, a sort of a podcast. This episode, Blame It on the Swedes, was written by Chris Polo and featured Kevin Smith as Mitch Pohunk, Mike Polo as Virgil Slatter, and Bruce Leister as Harmon Truesdale. Music for Mucky Landing was written and performed by our music director, the infragable Jim Rezac. If you liked what you heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. You can also listen and subscribe to the whole Mucky Landing series there and on Google Play, Spotify, and other places where you listen to podcasts. And be sure to pay us a virtual visit at MuckyLanding.com, where you can listen, subscribe, comment, or sign up for the Mucky Landing mailing list. Stay home and stay safe, everybody. Yeah.